welcome to the 295th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. Joining me, a post-corner post across the Harpeth River for me here in the Music City. Yes, that's correct. We're now putting triple moves into our route tree. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, Matt? Uh, yes, we can start putting triple moves in when we're 295 episodes deep for you SI people. Um, you've had to wait 295 episodes, but this is the best version of the Illegal Motion podcast. So here you go. Yeah, What's well, up, man? well we can't get, get it started without the uh, third amigo in the second city. A man who has been, sent, been spending a conspicuous amount of money on Cameo recently, especially uh, requesting videos <laughs> from certain former head coaches. It's our intrepid blogger from <laughs> Big Ten and Counting. Josh Cook. As you could tell, I am in my uh, morning black. Yes. Uh, the streak is over. The Cyhawk is done. And uh, Iowa's not good. Uh, funny you should say that. Neither is Wisconsin. So uh, we will get into that misery here in just a moment. But before we do, we want to remind you guys that we are presented by not only uh, Believe and MikeFarrellSports.com, but our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, and most importantly, obviously, college football. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting to props, futures, and more. So head on over to Bet Online or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. And use our promo, promo code Believe fifty. That's B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, gents. Uh, week two was absolutely wild. Um, there are a lot of places that we could start, but where I'm going to start is. Uh, the fallout from Nebraska losing, well, let's face it, for the umpteen millionth time, uh, this time to Georgia Southern at home and the fighting Clay Heltons. Uh, Coach, I'm going to start with you here. Um, I'm going to start with the game itself, I should say. How does Nebraska let a team who just started using the forward pass this spring throw for over 400 yards? I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's baffling, uh, and, and we talked about this. Originally, I talked about this a little bit with, with Scott Frost and, and just kind of how disorganized and just disheveled this program has uh, become uh, under Scott Frost. And it's it just lack of preparation, lack of respect for your opponent, and just – I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they've been practicing. What they just—it just seemed like the team just quit. Really, I don't jo- know. I, Josh, it, it, let, it, let, I can't let, explain it. Let's keep it within this game. I mean, first before we get to the Scott Frost and the bigger discussion there. I mean, George yeah. Southern was the better team from start to finish too. I think that forty-five forty-two score is actually a little bit yeah. uh, misleading. Yeah, so, you know, when I previewed the team for the blog, um, the big thing for me was a lot of new faces um, on that defense, especially the defensive front was not particularly a a strong point heading into the season. 
and they've just gotten progressively worse. Um, they're not getting much in the way of push to uh, slow down running attacks. We saw that against Northwestern. We uh, we saw them struggle to get any sort of pass rush going. Uh, Georgia Southern took advantage of that. And then the big red flag, the North Dakota game. I, I mean, that was that was a ball game going into the fourth quarter. And yeah, Nebraska put some scores on late to kind of pull away and make it look a tad better. But I mean, these are these are dismal performances from a coach that needed to be three and zero essentially at this point to have really any chance to save his job. And you know, I also have said many, many times the uh, the. The last act of a desperate coach is when you fire your entire staff and, and restart, and that's basically what Nebraska was doing with a whole lot of new faces on the coaching staff. So, not too uh, surprised on top of about that, it's poetic justice that the final nail in the coffin was Clay Helton beating him <laughs> last year's first yeah. coach fired, and we all said yeah. at the time that was a great move by Georgia Southern to snap him up. Yeah, I mean and, he, he's yeah. a he's a good coach. Just he he wasn't know, the, the USC right job. Fit. Just was not a good fit. He's yeah. he's originally from Gainesville, Florida. U, USC mm-hmm. was never going to be a fit for that. Um, I'm going to uh, unabashedly uh, steal a line from one of my favorite other college football uh, podcasts, Shutdown Fullcast. Uh, he's the guy who says program and not program, and that's <laughs> all you need to know about Clay Helton and where program. he is from. Yeah. Um, let's look big picture here at Nebraska. We've seen everyone under the sun bandied about to be the next Nebraska coach. Uh, Josh, who who is an actual like legitimate person who would be offered and would take this job? Because when I see something like Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell ain't leaving Iowa State. He turned down Nebraska. the Detroit Lions. In the NFL for $65 yeah. million. Dollars. Jim Leonard turned down the Packers defensive coordinator job to stay at Wisconsin. What Chris Kleinman yeah, has built something think, at Kansas State better than, like, leaves and bounds better than, than what Nebraska yeah. is, or frankly, in my opinion, even bigger picture, what Nebraska could ever get back to. But I'll let you take it from there, Josh. I think the X factor is Nebraska took a lot of hits uh, with the timing of firing Scott Frost. There was all this stuff about, well, if they wait till October 1st, it drops down to seven and a half million. You know, why'd they do it now? Three games in, why didn't they um, fire him at the beginning of the year? Whole lot of different factors. Basically the timeline of when the athletic director came in, made it kind of hard to fire him in the off season, restructured his contract. Scott Frost, still beloved quarterback. And the, AD uh, is a former teammate of his. So there was kind of some hope there, some goodwill there. Um, The reason why they fired him now is I think a lot of people in Nebraska think interim coach Mickey Joseph can be the guy. And so what they're trying to do is recreate what Washington State experienced last year with Coach Deckert, which is, hey, you get an interim in there. He blows the audition out of the water. Our coaching search is done. I think that's what they're. I mean, it, with the move that's happened, I think they're they're hoping that's what happens. They're hoping Mickey Joseph takes this and runs with it. The team is competitive. If they make a bowl, he's got the job in the bag. But um, 
going back on the comment about all the names that were being bandied, like you think Deion Sanders, you think Coach Prime is leaving Jackson State to go to Nebraska? <laughs> nah. No. Um, I'll, Matt I'll Campbell, them, that one was laughable. Of all the, um, uh, of all the lists, or excuse me, of all the names on the various lists that are floating around, you know, CBS has their list, Yahoo has their list, ESPN has their list. The, the one name that really uh, caught my eye was Bill O'Brien, which you know, people are kind of laughing about, especially in the wake of Alabama's performance against Texas. But uh, this guy won a lot of games with the Texans. <laughs> Not exactly the biggest team in the NFL. And, and before he resurrected that, he, Penn State. That's where I was going next. He did a yes. lot of good work at Penn State of turning that around. Uh, he was hired right after the Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky fallout for people that don't remember that. So uh, the Bill O'Brien name is, I think, a serious one that's intriguing. I don't know if that's a sexy enough hire, though, for... Nebraska fans that are still kind of living in the, hey, we're Nebraska, we should be winning the Big Ten West every year. This is still the 1990s. I, I think that there's still a lot of fans in that fan base that haven't fully accepted the fact that it is not 1990 anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, I think Bill O'Brien's proven a good bit, and that is an interesting name. I, I, I th- ultimately, I don't think he's going to get that job. Um, because they'll want somebody that's more. They're going to try for somebody that's more of a name. Um, and and I don't, I don't know where they look. Um, but uh, you know, Mickey Joseph. I'll, I'll tell you where I. Be, I'll, I'll I'll tell you one place that I think they should look. There's this up and coming offensive coordinator who just yes. he needs to get out of the the shadow of his dad. It, it's got to be Brian Ferentz. That should be number one, A, B, and C on their list. Josh, how can we make that happen? Josh, how many Twitter how make, accounts do you have? How do we make it happen? We uh, we roll Brian Ferentz up into a carpet and uh, drop it off on Nebraska's front door and uh, and tell them it's a baby Urban Meyer. No, what you need to do, what you need to do is you need to send the film of that uh, of that two hour coaching clinic that he did on Outside Zone. Send <laughs> that to Nebraska. They'll hire him. They'll snatch him right up. That's really going to uh, bowl over the well, AD, I'm yeah. sure. Um, okay, let's move on <laughs> yeah. to some other games. And speaking of being bowled over, uh, as my printer goes off behind me, Appalachian State's uh, offense, and specifically their rushing offense, absolutely bowled over Texas A&M's defensive line full of former five-star prospects. Josh, <laughs> was this actually more embarrassing than yeah. uh, Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern? Ooh, so first of all, my answer is yes. They got shout out. Texas A&M is the number six team in the country with giant scare quotes. Yes. And yeah, well, well, okay. So here's the thing, though. If you say Texas A&M is overrated and it's totally, completely embarrassing, in a way, you're taking away from App State's incredible win. They game planned excellently. They held the ball for 41 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, I know Texas A&M's offensive struggles played a big part of that, but App State is just a machine of a program. They've been good for so long that I think it's you know hats off to App State, and then follow it up. Secondary storyline is what's wrong with Texas A&M. 
the question you posed, you know, is, is this the most embarrassing loss of the weekend? Um, well, the contenders are that, and you got Marshall Notre Dame, Notre Dame was struggling on offense and then had their quarterback get hurt. Uh, Notre Dame's kind of a mess right now. Marshall, same thing. Pedigree, mid-major program. They've been good for a while now. Where I'm looking at some of the real, real dogs of a performance that are embarrassing, these might not have even been on your radar, Matt. We got Utah State getting waxed at home 35-7 to Weber State. Weber from the state of Utah, so obviously the game meant more to them. Um, I'm looking through the stats and I can't identify a single thing that Utah State did right in this game. Um, uh, Coach, I, you, you like fundamentals. How, how about these for some, uh, for some fundamentals? 11 penalties for 101 yards. Ooh. Is that good? Because Utah State did that. They had four turnovers, Ooh. two of 15 on third down. I, I mean, Utah State was a complete joke. And then getting to did some more embarrassment. Getting to some more embarrassment. Uh, Iowa's next opponent is Nevada. Nevada. Uh, we we got a nice little cakewalk here against uh, Incarnate Word to uh, to get to three and zero on the season. They lost fifty five forty one, and the Incarnate Ooh. Word quarterback Lindsey Scott eighteen to twenty five four oh six and four touchdowns. What in the world was Nevada's do- defense doing? There's a chance Iowa scores about 10 points in, in their next game. Oh, there you go. Hey, yeah. you're, you're, 616 you're, yards of offense. All right, Coach. Yeah, 616 speak. yards of offense for the Cardinals. So, yeah, w- which of those four are the most embarrassing? App, Marshall, Weber, or Incarnate Word, all four depends awesome on, wins. Depends Who, on what we, your metrics are. I'm, I'm going to go Weber. That, I'm going to go Weber mark because of margin of victory and the fact that Utah's State is supposed to be an, a, a top-level Mountain West team this year. I'm going with Texas A&M because a lot of people had them in the playoff. Yeah. well, just Everyone was like, oh, A&M's going to win the conference. And, uh, uh, Desmond Howard has them, the had, had yeah. them as his national champion. Outside of Fresno, the, the, the Mountain West uh, and Air Force, excuse me, uh, the two of them, Fresno and, and Air Force, outside of them, Mount West is struggling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking of Boise FCS State teams, pick, by the way, winning, did you guys see the seven-overtime game between Eastern Kentucky and Bowling Green? Uh, it, that one missed. I, I normally don't miss a Colonels game, but uh, that one I did. Um, seven overtimes they tried. Uh, Eastern Kentucky won, I believe, 59-57, when Bowling Green tried for the two-point play to run a hook and lateral with an offensive lineman. The old hook and cook. The old <laughs> fat boy hook and cook. Careful, you, you mentioned that play too much. You'll give Brian ideas. Would it be any worse? <laughs> I mean, I think they gained like 1.8 yards, which is more than the Iowa's offense averages per play. Uh, speaking hey of struggling offenses, coach, too soon. Uh, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Mar- Josh mentioned Marshall beating Notre Dame. Yeah, Marcus Freeman is now 0 3. Are we sure he's the guy? Or is this, or is this still game. too early? Is this too much? I, I think it's still, I think it's still too early. He, okay. you know, I, I the, the first game, okay. Um, this game is, is of course very embarrassing, but I, I think you got to give him a full chance to get 
a full, full on cycle of recruiting from start to finish. I, I, I think he's going to, I think he's eventually going to be really good. We're going to look back on this and go, ha, remember when Marcus Freeman was 0 and 3? But uh, I mean, you know, these head coaching reps are, aren't easy to come by. And situations hit you in the face like what Marshall did. Yeah, he was shell shocked. You could tell he was he was on the he was on the sideline. He didn't know what to do. He was shell shocked. But I think eventually he'll he'll figure it out and, and he'll be just fine. He's got charisma. Um, you know, he, he's got the defense. That's you know he he knows how to coach the defense. He knows how to recruit on the defensive side of the ball. It's just about you know recruit. It's just about getting those guys playing at a high level. The offense really screwed him over and putting their defense in bad spots. So. You just gotta see how he responds and 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 go from there. But it's not a good thing. There is some concern, but I think ultimately he'll be fine. I'm not I'm not pushing the panic button yet. I'm not <clears> concerned <throat> long term, especially because we're three months away from signing day, and I think they've still got a top three class. Yeah, and they'll be fine. I I don't they think long term this is anything to worry about. I mean, think about all of the games that Brian Kelly lost early on in his I mean he was losing to service academy he lost to Tulsa and they ended up making the playoff you know what twice under him I think he's going to be yeah. just fine this is going to end up made being the BCS a, also that's yeah, a year exactly so um let's uh let's move on to uh what was billed at least as the biggest game of the weekend that was Alabama and Texas and uh, I'm going to throw this out to the group. Am I the only person who felt like the Tide nope. were lucky to come out of Austin you're with not, a victory? Like you're, you're not alone, Matt. Texas- you're not alone. I watched this game from start to finish. The Tide, their offense looked completely confused. Their their O line looked completely overmatched. Um, Gary Patterson and whoever their defense coordinator actually is, he's he's just a senior consultant. They had. <laughs> they had Bill O'Brien on on his heels. They were, I mean, they were hitting Bryce, sacking Bryce, forcing a ton of penalties. I think, I think this was the most penalties a Nick Saban team has ever had. Um, they just fifteen they, of them. They, they could have had about twenty five. Yeah, they looked completely discombobulated, and, and they couldn't get anything going. The on receivers that one god awful, on dreadful. The- uh, on, on the Bryce Young scramble for like 30 yards to get that first down, there was a gigantic blatant holding by the right tackle that was completely mm-hmm. missed. That would have negated that play, and Texas probably wins the game. Mm-hmm. If exactly if that's called, it, it was. It what was did you guys all think of the worst games? It was just. What did you guys game. think of the safety no call? It it was just it, it was a poorly officiated and frankly a relatively poorly played game on both <laughs> both teams were sloppy. Honestly, uh-huh. yeah, I wish Quinn Ewers had not been hurt. I mean, he got annihilated yeah. by Dallas Turner, but I yeah, wish that, that he had not been hurt because he, up until that point, was probably the best player in the game. Yeah, and Sark had a brilliant game plan. I, they I, did. I, I thought the way I thought the way they attacked Bama was was awesome uh, offensively for for Texas. They just they just don't have the bullets in the gun to execute all of that stuff, but. I, I I think you, you saw the you saw the imaginative the imagination you saw how creative it was you saw he was putting guys in in spots and you know and and you know a lot of this was based on his expertise of 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 the team being that he coached there two two seasons ago so you know it, it was a brilliant game plan they executed it really well they just didn't finish 
They could not finish. They could not put the finishing touches on that. Yeah, I think, the, you know, an interesting thing for Alabama going forward, you mentioned the offensive line struggles, and I think this plays into these struggles, but um, Bryce Young could not complete a pass more than 15 yards uh, downfield in that game. And, I mean, the the name of the game nowadays, the last few years, it has been chunk plays. It, we kind of joked about it as a hashtag, but in reality, I mean, you've got you've to stretch the defense. Because if you have no downfield threat, teams are just going to keep loading the box. I mean, that, and then what's Alabama going to do with this struggling Alabama, offensive who's your line? Deep threat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jermaine so. Burton, who who is your most bandied, ballyhooed, whatever, whatever you, whatever adjective you want to use or adverb or I don't know my grammar, but um, the most talked about recruit tr- from the transfer portal. He has two catches for ten yards. That's concerning. Yeah, a, a little bit, especially with Tyler Harrell now out with injury. So if mm-hmm. Alabama is struggling in the SEC West and Texas A&M is losing, the second best team in the SEC West, I think at this point, has to be Arkansas, who also uh, yep. beat up on South Carolina. Coach, fill in the mm-hmm. blank for me. The Hogs are the blank best team in the entire conference. Third. 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 Yeah, I mean, you you have to think Bama's going to come out of this funk behind um, uh, behind uh, behind Georgia and the SEC East leading Kentucky uh, Wildcats <laughs> behind Vanderbilt Powell, too. Uh, Paul, no. Paul, time, long Powell. time, Paul. First time, long time, Paul. Arkansas will win the SEC. Okay, I'll hang up. And listen. Yeah, no. Uh, I, may I, I, may I may I make a teeny tiny confession? <laughs> What's your confession? Are you, are you jealous of? Uh, no, no, no. This is uh, this might this might be bad uh, bad fandomness or bad uh, bad podcasting host duties, but uh, I don't care about Texas and Alabama. I don't care about those two teams. I care about the rising power of Arkansas and watching one of my best friends' team out there. I watched the entire Arkansas game. I really did not watch much of that uh, Texas game, so. Well, good for you, Josh. Hey, I mean, so, so then tell Arkansas, us what, what, how how yeah, good are they? Give us something to watch. G- give yeah, us something, Josh. Something give us something. How good? How good is Arkansas? Arkansas is really good. Um, like really, try really to think like, I, like top ten, top five. Like how good? Hmm. See, now you're putting me on the spot. Okay, I'm going to say that if their defense gets a little bit better, uh, they're for sure a top 10 team. Um, even without their defense not being quite up to snuff what you want for going up against a Georgia or an Alabama or you know even Kentucky. Hey, man, Kentucky looked awesome against uh, Florida, even though they were so sloppy, they still found a way to win. Even if the defense isn't quite there yet, um, the, the things they do offensively, their offensive line is just obliterating the opponent, you know, Raheem Sanders, it felt like yeah. he ran eight yards before he ever got touched. Uh, KJ Jefferson, it, he's such a big body, big frame. It, it, you know, he lowers his head and feels like he can get five yards anytime he wants to uh, on a designed run. Um, he was 18 to 21 passing. They looked really he's good. I, I do want to give a little, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to give a little bit of love, uh, 
in this game, I, I know I know he's got his detractors, but um, Spencer Rattler, basically nothing was happening around him. <laughs> the offensive game plan for mm. South Carolina was idiotic. They abandoned the run after one series and, and basically passed about 100 times the rest of the game. Which is great when you have he, he looked, a terrible offensive line that can't pass protect yeah. to save their lives. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Um, he had some really nice, uh, you know, hookups with Antoine Wells Jr. Mm. I, I think this, you know, I was a little bit higher in our previews on South Carolina than you guys. The Gamecocks did some things that I kind of like. I, I think they're, I, I have a little bit more confidence in them being a bowl team, even though they lost by two touchdowns. You know, they, they should beat Charlotte. Well, they will beat Charlotte. They will beat South Carolina State. That gets them to three wins. You're telling me they can't beat Missouri? Telling me they can't beat Vanderbilt? Telling me they can't beat, beat one of the rest of their teams? The, the, Clem- the Clemson that- got Clemson got outgained by Furman. Clemson has their own issues. Like the, South Carolina, big time. yeah, South Carolina's sniffing around for being a, a back-to-back bowl team. Um, I guess are, I mean that that doesn't, stuff that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, I, I guess that South Carolina's going to be sniffing around a bowl. I thought that that's where they'd be 500 ish. I just didn't think like, I, I guess yeah. that there were people that I were hearing from talking to saying, Oh, South Carolina is going to be second in the East. I was like, I don't see that at all. No. Um, I think it's pretty clear though, at this point, who the second best team in, in the East is. And that is yet again, I, it, it's, 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 it's crazy <laughs> that we're saying this. It's yet yeah. again, it's Kentucky coach. It's Kentucky. Yeah, it is. And, they're 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 really good. Now I'll get my South Carolina take here in a little bit, but um, yeah, Kentucky man. They who would have thought that who would have thought that Will Levis in that offense, the way they started the season off, would have been so potent that it scared it spooked Billy Napier into a really bad fourth down uh, go for it on fourth down attempt to to lead to a game icing field goal. Um, it I mean they rattled Billy Napier. They rattled Anthony Richardson. Um, and this team, this team, they're getting Chris Rodriguez back too, which is scary. Yeah. This team is this team is is starting to come together offensively. They're starting to figure some things out defensively. They've been strong all season long. They their defensive line is nasty, absolutely nasty. They're, they're linebackers that continue to recruit well at the linebacker level, and they can play with average dudes at, at, in the defensive backfield because they're getting after the passer. And they lost two out, two or three outstanding linemen from last season: mm-hmm. Darren Kennard, Darius Rosenthal. Their offensive line is mm-hmm. just rolling just again. Plug and play, and man. It, it's, it, it's Kentucky, it's, Kentucky, and Arkansas now are two programs that you can rely on year in and year out to have. Did you just hit us with a program? Uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> th- those two programs are absolutely two that I can rely on <laughs> to have a Southerner. top ten offensive line year in and year out. We are pretty much out of time here uh, in our week two uh, recap. Just quickly note, I am I was disgusted by Pitt's play calling Pat Nardu- conservative Pat Narduzzi go, playing for the tie instead of playing for the wind at the end. I did not understand that one at all. Uh, Josh, it's your turn to gloat on me to remind me why I should never <laughs> bet on Dana Holgerson uh, when Texas Tech beats Houston. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 will, I will cede the floor to you guys for... Uh, any last thoughts? Yeah, Pat yeah, Narduzzi, I mean, uh, you got to go for the win, dude. You got to go for the win. That's all I'll say. 
Josh. Yeah, I mean, uh, Donovan Smith, awesome day for Texas Tech. Yet another quarterback that picks apart a Dana, Dana Holgerson non-appearance defense. Um, you take out last year, and so Houston last year went 12-2. and two. Not exactly a murderer's row of a schedule, right? Their wins were Rice, Grambling, Navy, Tulsa, Tulane, East Carolina in overtime, SMU, who was ranked, South Florida, Temple, Memphis, UConn. And then the joke of Brian Harrison's Auburn team in the bowl game. You take out this 12 and 2 season that was a pretty manageable schedule. And he is 69 and 55 as a coach, which is a 55 win percentage, which is not that hard to do when you are a power five team like West Virginia, who scheduled cupcakes in your non conference. His best season as a coach was his first year at West Virginia when they were in the god-awful Big East. He never won diddly squat in the Big 12. He's you know, second bananas to Cincinnati. He's not going to win diddly squat when Houston makes the leap to the Big 12. He's, um, he's kind of like Tim Brewster at Minnesota. He gets you to bowl games. He's good enough to get you to bowl games, but he's not a championship coach. He never has been. And then the other game uh, you wanted me to talk about, Matt, BYU-Baylor, just real quick on this game. Um, both teams are really good, but Baylor is a passing attack away from being a serious threat, I think, to, to repeat in the Big 12. Blake Shepin just could not you know, get a, a very efficient passing day going. He, he missed some guys, some receivers dropped balls. They had a hard time getting open, but uh, BYU looked scary good. And it was loud yeah. in my goodness, and, uh, it always is. was loud. Yeah, it was. I was impressed and, with and, how diverse the student section was, though. Yeah. And, Josh, I thought you were going to hit us with a Jim Morris senior. We didn't do diddly-poo on offense. We couldn't We couldn't block. We couldn't well, diddly-poo. Playoffs? Speaking oh, of uh, doing diddly-poo diddly on offense, uh, Coach, that is the perfect segue. Uh, it's time, uh, gentlemen, for... For some quick slants, and uh, <laughs> Josh, uh, it's your turn to talk about El Asico. Yeah, um, well, let's hats off to Iowa State. They played about as awful as you could conceivably play. Uh, two blocked punts. Uh, they had more penalties, more penalty yards. They had three turnovers. Uh, they didn't move the ball very effectively outside of one 99-yard drive. Um, but th the reality is, with Iowa's awful offense, Iowa State took better advantage of the opportunities given them. Uh, so Iowa fans, I I've been seeing some say the refs were terrible, that they missed a fumble call uh, that the Iowa fullback scored. Maybe that's the truth. Maybe the refs did mess it up. But you know what? Iowa's only scoring drive was a 16-yard drive. They had golden opportunities given to them throughout the game. They didn't take advantage of them. Uh, I heard some people say, well, the defense gave up that 99-yard drive. You know what? When your offense is putting up the poo-poo platter that they were all day, uh, you're going to get a little bit tired out. Um, so just the excuses some of these Ferentz fanatics do for the Hawkeyes is just insane. The truth is it's a systemic rot. Kirk wants to run a conservative offense. He's too stubborn to wake up that it's 
2022 and you need to have a modern offense. So he is telling his son to run this stupid offense that doesn't attack anywhere downfield. They keep throwing out to the boundary. They have a quarterback who's not accurate enough to make those throws. Uh, one of the Iowa beat reporters found that uh, that 33% of Pet- Petrus's throws were off target um, on Saturday. That's insane. He's like 25 of 51 for the season. He's not a Division One quarterback, and they keep trotting him out there. And as they said a few hours ago, Petrus is the starter for Nevada, and as Petrus said, quote, it was business as usual at practice. You guys are terrible. Why is it business as usual at practice? They are, uh, the, the Ferences are saying, come on, fire me. I bet you won't do it. They're playing a big game of chicken. Yeah. Well, well the, the, the problem yeah, is that Gary Barta is, 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 is buddy, uh, buddy with Ferentz anyway. So it, it's not like it's going to make any changes. Gary, Gary Barta might be the worst athletic director in the country. I mean, some of the scandals he's been a part of, you know, he, he's been sued a couple of times. Um, he, he's, he's fired female coaches for just absurd reasons. So he, he's faced, you know, lawsuits based on that. He's an idiot. Well, Josh, I, I can empathize with you because I know a thing or two about about stubborn <laughs> coaches. Uh, as a fan of the University of Wisconsin Madison, uh, despite my UCLA gear tonight, because that's the only school that gave me a diploma <laughs> that did not lose this weekend. Um, uh, Wisconsin managed to completely out Wisconsin themselves, uh, despite Washington State having eight men in the box for a good seventy percent of Wisconsin's snaps. They still attempted 44 rushing attempts uh, for a grand total of four yards per carry. Uh, they outgained Washington State by over 100 by 150 yards, and yet still they had 22 first downs to 10. They held the ball for 38 minutes, and uh, Graham Mertz looked probably his best, uh, probably his best and most complete game he's had since his debut, or maybe his second game against Michigan when we still thought that he was the truth and the answer and the uh, the reason that Wisconsin would win the college football uh, national championship. Uh, so what, what happens, Paul Chris just decides to keep running into an eight-man box. And, oh, I think Dan Henley just made another tackle as we speak here. <laughs> oh, there's clearly no offensive ingenuity anywhere in the Big Ten West, and yet somehow, Josh, one of these two teams will still manage to represent the Big Ten West because Minnesota will inevitably choke. I mean, my Minnesota pick is looking uh, a little bit better. I guess so. They are the only undefeated team in the Big Ten West at this point. Is that bittersweet, Josh? No, oh, I mean right, I, I Minnesota. <laughs> I I appreciate I appreciate competent football. I appreciate good football. And Minnesota's playing good, competent football. Like they're fun to watch. That is true. You know who else is fun to watch at the NFL level? It was the New York Giants this week. And and and, and Matt, congratulations to former Bills uh, offensive coordinator Bryant Dable and his head coaching debut getting his first victory, and showing the entire country what it looks like to have a to have guts to go for the win mm-hmm. and not not play for overtime, and it paid off big time. 
So he 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 got a, he earned the, he earned his players respect. They loved that he went for it, and and not just kick the field goal, go into overtime because the Titans would have beat him. Um, so that should be a message, man. Just go for it, man. Like, you know, he wasn't afraid to take a loss. Oh. And this is the NFL where they fire you two games in if you if you don't get wins. But he wasn't afraid of that. He just went for it. My brain can't compute NFL talk. Okay, well that's that's plenty fine because uh, quick slants are over unless coach has a has the quickest up slants about the dogs. Uh, I mean it wasn't much of a game. It was just you know get get the guys some reps. It was a pretty sloppy game and it was a pretty sloppy week of practice. If you want to know more about the Sanford game, tune in to Believe in Georgia Dogs uh, for Israel and I. We, we we discussed it. So there you go. All right, well let's move right into our week three previews, uh, guys. The slate this weekend, not going to lie, not great. I mean, it's kind of slim pickings. There are a couple of interesting games. Uh, Coach, I don't want to completely spoil uh, South Carolina week on Believe in Dogs, but just quickly, do your Georgia Dogs have anything to worry about in Columbia this weekend? No, I mean, it's usually a, a, a noon kick in September in Columbia is usually like, hell's waiting room but the temperature is actually going to be fairly <laughs> mild so um i you know I, I think they have south carolina has two defensive starters out um and in this offense georgia's offense should have their way with south carolina and of course spencer rattler this will be easily the best defense he's he's faced all year um and then he'll face kentucky so he'll face two of the best defenses in the conference it's not going to i don't think it's going to be very pretty for south carolina uh, i think rattler is going to struggle mightily so to answer your question no not really and if you want a full preview at believe in georgia dogs um for uh for that as well so matt i'm a little disappointed you said the there's not much on the slate you're you're missing that big game down in houston the undefeated and nation's leading scoring offense kansas jayhawks rock chalk take on dana holgerson's reeling houston squad Okay, so tell us why that's the game of the weekend. I I just did Kansas. I mean, that's is, the, is, like, is, is that the Kansas really? is surprisingly frisky, and they 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 really haven't played anybody, but their offense is. I mean, they beat up points and yards. I they mean, beat West Virginia uh, in in West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that in thirteen point overtime victory, which is always kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, a little bit of a surprise two and zero start. I think most people had them losing to West Virginia. If they somehow beat Houston three and zero, and then you really at that point have to be like, okay, do they have three more victories on their bowl game or, or on their schedule to get to a bowl? Duke's improved, but it's still a home game. Iowa State kind of up and down here in the early going. We don't quite know what that Cyclone team is going to be. We don't know what TCU is going to be. I mean, there, there's a, there's a chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was saying it's a little Sunny bit. Sunny late in the season. I, I think TCU will be a yeah. dub for. Mm, that's a good for, one. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, that's a good call, it is, Josh. It is exciting. It, it is, is exciting for Kansas. Is, is this the second time Josh is going to successfully call a shot on the Jayhawks? No, 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 no. I only, I only do that against Texas. Okay. Um, and I, <laughs> Coach. Speaking of well, calling your shot, uh, Josh also called Scott Frost failing at Nebraska 
I, I meant to queue up that audio before we recorded. I mean, we, we all to. did. I, I don't know that we all, uh, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, but I ran I, through uh, George O'Leary's entire career, including his fake resume, as to, to why he was a good coach and program builder. And that. Well, just pulling together Kansas and something <laughs> we talked about earlier, Lance Leopold has been rumored. He's been one of the many names thrown out there. Coach. Uh, is go I can't believe I'm asking this question. Should Lance Leopold leave Kansas for Nebraska or stay at Kansas? <laughs> I don't know. They're making some improvements with their facilities. He might just be crazy enough to stay at Kansas and try to build at Kansas. I don't know. I mean that that would be interesting. I think he should be uh I think he needs to of course take over money for, talks. He so. needs to take over for Paul Christ at Wisconsin and become the next Badgers. Of course, money talks. So, I mean, if they offer him the Brinks truck, then it's hard to say no. Yeah, I mean, the the, the tricky thing is if you think you can improve Nebraska, you're going to be like, okay, I've got I've got job security. The, the problem that I think some coaches are going to have to reconcile with is they dumped Bo Pelini, who won nine or ten games every year he was there. Yeah. And so – you need to get to 10 wins, which is not easy when you're rebuilding. And you need to do it pretty much within like two or three seasons. Yep. And no maybe Lance Leopold. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Lance Leopold has that confidence, but he's also looking at a Kansas team that's vastly improved already. It, it's, you know, it's a tough trade off. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're even talking about that says, all that we need to say about it. So, uh, Josh, we're, we're all, uh, any that. Nebraska fans are probably saying we're also super biased. We've got two Big Ten people That's on this true. show. That's true. So. Um, Josh, we talked about BYU a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah. They're they're at Oregon this week. Um, Ooh, tough one. Uh, not just tough one. Uh, Oregon is favored. Uh, Josh, should the Ducks hmm. actually be the favorite in this game? Because from what I've seen so far this season, BYU is a far superior team. Well, BYU certainly had the harder slate. Well, uh, I mean, traveled. Oregon played Georgia in the state of Georgia. That's probably the toughest opponent anyone's had so far. But then they bounced back with an FCS team. True. True. So, I mean, uh, I would say they played would, one impossible I would say don't game trust and one. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say Oregon's played one impossible game and one cupcake. BYU's at least had back-to-back -back, like um, <laughs> better than Eastern Washington teams. I would say you average out the opponents. I think BYU's had the tougher schedule of the two. Um, yeah, Coach was kind of going where I was going. You know, you got Bo Nix on one side. You got J Jaron Hall on the other. I think Hall's the best player on the field, um, which, which helps, but, uh, man, go, going to outs and that is, that is never an easy trip with that stadium. So I, I think it makes sense that the, uh, the odds are favoring Oregon. Um, they're the favored team right now. I, I think that makes sense, but, uh, in a little bit weaker slate, this is definitely an appointment game to watch I, I think we're all going to be glued to this one. I yeah. would uh well I, I, I agree with that. I, I think it is. An another good game though, 
on the on the West Coast between I guess you know Power Five and a non Power Five team uh, is uh, Fresno State and USC. Uh, we all remember Fresno State beat UCLA at UCLA last year in what was a, a great early season win, especially after uh, UCLA had been coming off of a big win against LSU. USC just dominated Stanford, looked really good uh, over the weekend. Uh, but Josh, do you think Jake Hayner can pull off another upset in Los Angeles? Well, I, I don't think Fresno is going to be uh, looked past Ooh. and, and Hayner's a, a hell of a quarterback. So that kind of hurts Fresno. They're not sneaking up on anybody this year. Uh, I do think, though, that game plan wise, there's some stuff Fresno can take advantage of. Um, Lincoln Riley's talked kind of about the, the physicality of UCS defense not being there yet. And you sort of see it with kind of their scheme. They're, they're trying to rely on turnovers um, more so than, uh, than really slowing you down. And Stanford did manage to put up 28 points. I know it wasn't a very close game, but they did score four times. Um, Rice even moved the ball a little bit against them. So if you're Fresno, you're like, okay, if that's their defensive game plan, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, we feel like, and Hayner, definitely one of the absolute best quarterbacks from the uh, group of five ranks. Hayner's already got 737 yards on the season. Let him, let him feast, and you know maybe you, maybe you catch him. And uh, I think that's what Fresno is going to hang their hat on. Well, if you start fast and hang with them, I mean yeah. that's what you're going to have to do with with USC. You're going to you're going to have to put up a big a big number to 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 beat them because USC is going to put up a lot of yards. They're going to put up a lot of points. They're not really going to stop you too much. Um, the over unders in the seventies, but by the way, coach. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I believe it. I, I don't, I don't know that I would touch that, but I, I do believe it. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, this USC team is gonna be hard to beat. You know, they're just so explosive. They really are. They really are. Okay. Um, let's uh, let, let's head to uh, Miami and Texas A and M. Uh, this, if you had looked on the schedule, just you know, at, at a glance at the beginning of the season before any games had been played, you'd probably think this would have been the biggest game of the weekend. Well, that was until Appalachian State happened. Uh, Coach, uh, my question heading into this one is: What's more likely, in your opinion, uh, that Texas A&M bounces back and plays up to potential, or that they continue to spiral and end up? being beaten or beaten handily by Tyler Van Dyke and the U. Well, first let me go to my Jimbo Fisher play sheet. Oh, okay. So I don't know what that tells you, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I, I think Miami – I think this is this is going to be another. I think AM spiraling. That they're they're hustling backwards, and it's just, it's just not a good look. They can't they can't stop the run. They, they you know they just they can't get anything going on on offense. They have an antiquated offense. I think it's time to hire a legit offensive coordinator from this century. They're going the old they're going the old. Well, we did this in 2013 and won the national championship, and it worked at Florida State. It ain't happening with Haynes. Let me let me just go ahead and tell you that it yeah. ain't. It, Max Johnson must be really bad if he can't beat out Haynes King because Haynes King was awful. Now I got to clean up. Yeah, my it's mess. shades of uh, it's shades of Jimbo's run at Florida State, like the, the end of it. 
when they spiraled. Um, one of the things that kind of caught my eye was like Miami started slow against Southern Miss and they only won by 23. So I was like, oh, like did, did Miami stink in this game? And it's one of the weird times where the box score just is not indicative of the final score. Miami totally dominated them. It th- they had uh, 200 yards more of offense. Um, they were really efficient through the air. They held Southern Miss to 24 rushing yards, while on the flip side, Miami rushed for 174. Um, I don't know why the score wasn't bigger than it was, but when well, you look it was, at the, it was the seven box score, three mustard buzzards. I know. You know, yeah, for a while there. I love, but, I love how you're yeah. I, I, I think that that's that, that that's the real reason, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, like you see seven yeah. on the scoreboard for like even for a minute, it's weird, but it was it was like that for a little while then, and that and that's what I think. Yeah, got to be concerned. But, but Tyler Van Dyke Miami, is you know, the best player in this game, and for me, yeah. And Miami's had two really solid performances so far to start the year. So I mean, just the simple eye test. Miami looks way bigger. Maybe there's some Kyle Field magic. I don't know, but um, I would if I was an Aggie fan, I'd be really oh, nervous. Speaking about of Kyle this. Field magic, though, uh, I, I hope that you guys saw that the uh, what is it, the Aggie yell that they do on Friday night with the. Uh, if you haven't, go find it on Twitter or Reddit or whatever your social media choice of plat- uh, platform of choice is, because the uh, it's very cringeworthy from last week. The way that there was a guy basically doing a really bad stand-up set uh, about Appalachian State, yeah, whatever the uh, midnight yell thing, midnight yell—that's what it is. Uh, I don't know what you know. What traditions like that remind me of? Mm. High school stuff. (laughs) Well, uh, like like when a high school destroys a car. Oh, we got the sledgehammers out. We're destroying the car. Oh, everyone get together. We're doing the midnight yell. We're breaking curfew. Oh. Oh, that's stupid. (laughs) Also, nice military uniforms. Yeah. Well, speaking of traditions, uh, they're they're dolled up more than West Point. (laughs) I mean, the the, the West Point uniforms look way better than those hideous beige things that that they wear. So um, let's talk to let's talk about a couple other schools with some questionable traditions. Penn State and Auburn. Uh, coach, does Auburn have enough offense to keep up with Penn State? Which team has the questionable tradition? That's for you to decide. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, questionable. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> what was the question? Does Auburn have enough does offense have to enough keep offense? up with, Do they with, have with Penn State, really with Mitchell Tinsley, and I don't Nicholas know. Simpleton? I don't think so. And does it really matter? Because Brian Harris, no. Brian Harris is not going to be the coach. He's done. He's I mean, done. They're, they're, I think they're getting into fake juice land here. I, they might even come out in orange jerseys. I don't know. But no, the, the answer is no. Not with TJ Finley. I mean, if they put if they roll out Robbie Ashford, maybe. But not not with not There's, with TJ Finley. TJ Finley's clearly TJ Finley and Haynes King are kind of in that same boat of, yeah, we know how are they, they in the, the quarterback? Guy. How that's like why? The, that, like, what's that's going the, on here? That's what's going on, Josh. I was going to say when Coach mentioned their uh, their orange, their social the, the Auburn social media post, it, it looked like Jordan Hare was on fire. And I'm like, what? What is this advertising? 
that the house is burning down? I guess so. Burning All right. Down. Well, yeah. I don't well, know. I, 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 don't, I don't think they have enough offense. No. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, Penn State's favored by only three. So does Penn I mean, State Penn, really don't have get me wrong. offense? It's going to be an ugly game. Penn State's a flawed team going on the road to Auburn, but I still think that it's they are be the better game. team. Speaking of flawed Big Ten teams on the road, Michigan State is at Washington. Quickly, Josh, uh, we're, we, we've run out of time here on the countdown, but don't look now. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, looks like 2020 Michael Penix Jr. And the Jimmy Lakeless Huskies uh, have yeah. a pulse. Uh, can they upset Sparty at home? Uh, for sure. I mean, Michael Penix Jr., 300 uh, yards in back-to-back games. Michigan State looked really good against Akron, struggled at times with Western Michigan. The concern for uh, Michigan State fans is they've had a lot of injuries already. Um, the big one from week one, Darius Snow, their linebacker, out for the season. Uh, big Ten teams traveling west is a nasty, nasty history. Um, on the flip side, you know, Washington State broke the curse coming to Wisconsin. Maybe mm-hmm. Michigan State breaks the curse going out to Seattle, but uh, I, I think a lot of Michigan State fans, based on the injuries, are already uh, kind of gritting their teeth and, and not feeling too optimistic about this one. Huge, huge game for Washington, though. None of us were really too high on them. No. Uh, first year out of Jimmy Lake to start three and zero would be yeah. uh, a feather in their cap. Absolutely. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Coach, any other games that you're excited about this weekend before we hit spread formations? Well, uh, Mississippi State is actually a favorite on the road against At- LSU. Ooh. Yes, they are. Uh, we're, LSU. Well, well, we're talking about that in spread formations. So. Yeah, and then Ole Miss-Georgia Tech is one because I mm. think Ole Miss is going to. Like, like I said, Josh Brooks, UGA's AD, I think made Georgia Tech's football schedule. So um, this is going to be a fun one for the – Another another feather in the cap for the Jeff Collins era, who should be right s- closely behind Scott Frost. And if the rumors are true that they can hire Prime at Georgia Tech, which I don't think you will, but that would be nasty. That would not be ideal for Georgia fans. No, it would not be. It would not be. Well, that whistle, uh, gents, means before we get to spread formations, it's time for a pop oh. quiz. I'm not allowed to throw one f- little teeny tiny game out. Okay, uh, teacher special uh, special exemption. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say the the Friday night game, Florida State at Louisville. Florida Josh, State's, we're talking uh, about that in this. We're talking about that in the spread of four formations. Oh, it's the first game in spread formations. Yes, it I didn't is. See it? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, you're killing I me. I left it off my notes. I left it off my show notes. I'm sorry. It's okay. My bad. It's okay. You yeah. interrupt me. I just wanted to. Damn, I wanted Josh. to delay the quiz. Okay. Detention. So no, you have, you have three days of ISS. Professor Perkins, <laughs> uh, no, you are not allowed to go to the bathroom right now. Uh, Josh, your beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, do you know how many yards per are game amazing. they are currently averaging on offense? Uh, it's about 140. 158, 158. If they okay. were, oh. Josh, if they were to keep up this pace, 158 yards per game and somehow by some unbelievable magic spell and confluence of events win out win every single game Mm -hmm. for the rest of the year they would have not win win the big 10 win (laughs) the college football playoff and they will have played 15 games 
in yeah. 15 games at 158 yards per game, they will have accrued a total of 2,370 yards from scrimmage in 15 games. There are nine players in the history of college football who have gained more than 2,370 yards in a single season, and they've all done it in 14 games or less. Your task is to name those nine players. Uh, Josh, you get to go first, and we're off. Um, you gotta go with Christian McCaffrey, right? He had about a billion. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think he. yards. He had two thousand six hundred and sixty-four from scrimmage, and that does not include his uh return yards. I, I was gonna say, I think McCaffrey had three thousand yards in the Rose Bowl against Iowa alone. Oh yeah, that. That too, yes. Two thousand six hundred sixty-four for Christian McCaffrey from scrimmage. Good choice, coach. Um, I will say, I will say Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, two thousand fourteen season, the second most yards in history, two thousand seven hundred and forty. Josh. Um. You said thir- how many years? Was there a year? No, there is no, there sorry. there is no year <laughs> attached. It is in the history of college football. Oh well, then I'll, then I'll then I'll go with the person that McCaffrey beat the record with, Barry Sanders. That is correct. Uh, Barry Sanders had two thousand seven hundred thirty-four yards from scrimmage in nineteen eighty-eight. Ladanian Tomlinson. Ooh, that is I like that incorrect. guess code. It, it is incorrect. Ladanian Tomlinson's top season, he had 2,198 yards. So he was about a little less than 200 yards short of being entire season of Iowa, and he probably did that in 11 games. I like that guess, Coach. Very good guess. Uh, I, li- I like it so much. I'm going to stay at LT's alma mater. Oh, wait. No, he just played at San Diego Chargers. He played at TCU. Uh, but I'm going to go with Rashad Penny. That is correct. Rashad Penny's 2017 oh, season. 2,383 yards. Hmm. Coach. All righty. Uh, all righty. I'm going to go with uh, Heisman winning Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Ooh, I like that. That is also incorrect. Uh, he was wow. so close. 60 yards short in 2015. Oh. 2,310. Excellent guess. Though. If Tay Crowder wouldn't have decleated him, he would have. <laughs> Josh. Um, I'm going to go with a name that feels like he pops up all the time in these trivia questions. The outstanding pit running back, Tony Dorsett. Sorry, oh. uh, Tony Dorsett uh, uh, doesn't even make the top 100 uh, for single season really? from scrimmage. Yeah, that is- he was a 2,000 yard back though back in back in the day. I guess, he didn't, they didn't pass it a whole lot. Back I don't in think the day. he had a single catch <laughs> that season, or if he did it for <laughs> negative yards, coach. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, wow. Um, Game's changed a little bit since Tony Dorsett played. Okay. Ricky Williams. Run, run, Ricky, run. Yeah, Ricky, 1998, 2,386 yards. Well done, Coach. Josh. That was my next up on my list, so I'm scrambling a little bit. Um, Total. There are four left. There are four left. Okay, this is a total random reach just because Coach took my next guess of Ricky. I'm going to go back to Stanford with Toby Gerhardt. Come on. <laughs> uh, Josh, not the worst. Um, not 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 the worst one I've ever heard. Uh, he finished with 2,028 yards in 2009, which is good oh, for man. 91st all-time in a single season. All right, Coach. Okay. All right, let's see. Um, God, it'd be hard not to say. Um, it'd be hard not to guess a non-running back, but I don't advise. Tommy... I, I don't advise guessing a non-running back. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's hard not to think of uh, Tommy Frazier. I know that's not. A, I know that's not my guess, but uh, let's see. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is an one. excellent guess, but he is incorrect. Uh, Adrian. What Peter- about the Georgia Southern version of Adrian Peterson? No, neither of them. Uh, neither of them, Coach. That's your third wrong answer, Josh. Do you have any more for the win? Uh, he fits in. He fits in the Tony Dorsett category, where he's a two thousand yard back. But I don't think they pass it to him enough. Uh, Ron Dane, any chance? Sorry, Ron Dane's best season: uh, two thousand two hundred and forty-two yards as a freshman. Uh, the guys you missed, uh, number one all Reggie time. Bush. Number one all time, Kevin Smith at UCF, 2,809 yards wow. in 2007. <laughs> I think uh, we leave him off every time we do a trivia game. We always ask, uh, always give Tony Dorsett and then always leave him off. <laughs> uh, Josh, you were in the right era thinking Tony Dorsett. Uh, Marcus Allen, 2,683 oh, yards in 1981. Ooh. Uh, we also missed uh, Grandmama. He's he's the U.S. he's the USC running back that didn't murder anybody. Uh, was wasn't there one <laughs> with the last name White who was pretty good too? Who won a Heisman? Charles White. Charles White. I don't think he murdered anyone either. True. No, <laughs> I don't think neither that's, that's, did Reggae Bush. The jury's Reggae still Bush. out on Lendale White. Um, uh, you guys also missed uh, Larry Grandmama Johnson, Penn State, 2,436 yards oh, in 2002. Oh, I about him. And mm. uh, probably the toughest one, but uh, an all-time great, Matt Forte at Tulane, 2,409 oh, yards yeah. in 2007. 2007 oh, okay. yeah, sure. had both Kevin Smith and Matt Forte, two of the statistically greatest seasons of all time. Bears legend, mm. Matt Forte. Absolutely. All right, gents, yeah. uh, it's time to move on to our spread formations. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, first of all, welcome. Second of all, spread formations are where we pick uh, five games against the spread. Uh, gents, we are on a bit of a heater to start the year. Last week, uh, you guys were both three and two. I was four and one on the season. You guys are both nine and seven, and I am 11 and five. Uh, I guess uh, knock on wood or whatever fake wood uh, knockoff my desk is made of uh we're moving uh, we're moving right along so time moving to spread formations uh i'm picking first this week on each game 
first game we're looking at is Florida State is a two and a half point favorite on the road at Louisville over under 54 and a half. And this is a weird, weird game, guys, because uh, Louisville somehow last week went in and beat UCF after getting destroyed by Syracuse in week one. I don't know what to believe. But what I do believe is Florida State is at least competent. Uh, And they were able to go into win at LSU. I think Florida State should be able to win at Louisville because I can't believe I'm saying this either. They're better at the line of scrimmage. Uh, For the first time ever. Josh, uh, what about you? Don't let that Central Florida game fool you. This is what I was going to talk about. Uh, Gus Bus broke down. He had some horrible coaching decisions, awful time management in that win. Uh, Louisville still coached by Scott Satterfield. Give me Florida State. I got Florida State winning by like twenty one. Oh, all right, God. coach. I'm I'm so out on Louisville and Scott Satterfield. Yeah, I am too. This is this is more of an I'm out on Scott Scott Satterfield. Uh, I think Florida State is reemerging. I don't know that they're ready to win the ACC yet, but they are finally getting good at the line of scrimmage. I'll take Florida State minus two and a half, and I'll take the under, just barely. Oh, and the under. Okay. Um, let's move on then. We talked, we previewed the game a little bit earlier, Penn State-Auburn. Let's get into the line for this one. Penn State is a three-point favorite on the road uh, at Jordan Air. The over-under is 48 and a half. I'm up first. I think uh, Penn State wins this uh, outright on the road, but I do think it could be kind of close. That being said, I don't love the defense for either of these teams, so give me over 48 and a half in this one. What do you think, Josh? Um, Auburn tried their hardest to lose to San Jose State. That's all you need to know about this one. I got Penn State uh, winning and covering that field goal spread so any lions all day unless penn state goes on an offensive explosion i I think it's pretty safe to say i think it's pretty safe to call the under there's a reason why it's so low um but i'm gonna take penn state to cover the three points i I think it's gonna be like a you know 24 to 21 so they just barely hit the under but i think it's gonna be kind of low scoring all right all right, well, I'm on the over on this one because I don't think either of these teams can defend. So, Coach, we are against each other on that one. But they're sloppy. Uh, they're sloppy, though. The next game I want to talk about is, uh, I think, the battle for the Commonwealth. Old Dominion has already dispatched with Virginia Tech. They are in Charlottesville at Virginia this week. Uh, Virginia's a 10-point favorite, and uh, they've looked a little shaky. So far, uh, I'm a little bit concerned with the year one of the Tony Elliott era and uh, Brandon Armstrong has really not been able to be let loose yet. Uh, ODU, on the other hand, uh, playing some good football. Um, I really want to take ODU in the upset, um, but I'm actually going to take the under. I think this is actually going to be a relatively low scoring game. So give me the under uh, under 53 and a half in Old Dominion at Virginia. Josh, what do you like here? Well, I saw for the purposes of blogging a lot of that Virginia Illinois team Illinois game. Uh, Virginia has one of the worst offensive lines I've ever watched. That does not make me confident at all. I'm going to take ODU. I, I think they're going to lose, but I think they keep it close. So uh, I will say 
Dominion covers, and that way if they pull off a crazy upset, I'm also in a good position. Yeah, I think this game's going to be tighter than it should be. I'm definitely taking the under. Um, seeing a little bit of what Virginia did against Illinois was a little concerning as far as this goes. So I'm going to take I'm going to take ODU. Win or lose, I still think they cover, and I think they're going to hit the under. I, I agree with you on that, Matt. All right. Um, let's uh, next. Um, we've got Mississippi State is a one and a half point favorite at LSU. Coach mentioned this earlier. Over under fifty three. Oh, and I should mention. I forgot to mention earlier. So all of our lines brought courtesy of our presenting sponsor, uh, BetOnline. That line has gone down. Uh, the one and a half over under fifty three. That was as of as of my notes this morning. Coach, is that is that uh, where, where is it at now? It's it, it's gone well. It it is it had gone down since Sunday because Sunday the line started at minus three for Mississippi State it is now since dwindled to one and a half. Well, uh, you know what? I still like Mississippi State minus one and a half here on the road, and so I'm t- I'm mm-hmm. I'm taking them. I think LSU is going to uh, struggle to keep up with the pace of Mississippi State. So uh, give me uh, uh, give me the pirate and the Bulldogs on the road in Baton Rouge. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm actually going to stay away from the spread. Uh, I don't have a good feel on who's going to win, but uh, based on how both teams have been moving It's pretty the much a pick em, here, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get to place my bet how I want, and I'm going with the over. Both teams are moving the ball really well. I think they can get uh, over the mid-50s uh, over-under right now. All right, Coach. There were games that you guys just picked the over under. Yeah. This this one this one's pretty much a pick 'em though. So this one is who you think is going to win the game basically because it's one and a half. So I, I I mean I like Mississippi State here. I like Mississippi State yeah. in the over. They're rolling right now. LSU is still kind of struggling. They're still trying to find their way. Not to say that they won't be in this for a long time. I mean, you look at Brian Kelly. You look at Marcus Freeman. They're both kind of in the same boat. It's going to take them a minute to get to get established, but once they figure it out. They'll be okay, but not yet. Give me Mississippi State. All right. Um, and then finally, uh, as is tradition here, we always try to determine who the worst Power 5 team is and see how ridiculous their lines are on a, on, on a week-to-week basis. Uh, for a long time, it was Kansas. Yeah. and I, I, yeah, I Let's think- give a salute to Kansas. They had a nice run. So, uh, yeah. Here's to you. Uh, here's to you, Kansas. Um, you deserve. That was supposed to be. Good job, Kansas. Good job, Kansas. You deserve. You, you deserve a round of applause. But we have to move on. Rutgers playing competent football can't be my dear father's alma mater. mater. Um, Arizona actually looks like a team as well. So we, we can't mm-hmm. have them. Duke just beat oh. Northwestern. Uh, and they threw a shutout against oh. Temple in week one. I mean, Josh, huh? I, I, I think we have a new contender for worst power five team. We do. Um, and it's, we do. Um, let me let me highlight their resume. Yeah, um, please do. Let's, let's, let's see. They have an administration that doesn't care about sports. Uh, so they, they went out and hired uh, a guy who never really won anything at UCLA, Carl Durrell, and Gave him a huge contract, a multi-year contract, so now they're stuck under the massive buyout. So they ain't going to buy him out. They are uh, an embarrassment each and every week. They got absolutely hey, obliterated. 
by the Air Force. So, uh, Colorado, welcome to the show. Uh, Josh, you could be a spot of the <laughs> spot of worst team. Uh, you could say they got carpet bombed by the Air Force coach. Uh, what were you going to say? Um, I don't know if this changes your pick at all, but uh, the, the line is back up to two and a half now. I just checked it on Mississippi State LSU because I was looking at something else. <laughs> oh, I just happened to roll through it and check it. It's now a sit at mm. two and a half. I like my pick though. Mm. You know what? With that kind of late news, I, I need to be mobile, lightweight, and agile. I'm jumping to Josh with the over on this one. Two and a half. Mm. I could see this being a one-point game. Give me the over um, on that Ooh. one. Coach, thank you for that, Welcome that, aboard. that last minute update. Uh, but Colorado is now officially the worst Power 5 team in FBS football per the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. That means they get the dubious honor of being last in spread formations every week. Uh, this week, they are on the road in Minneapolis against Minnesota. Oh, uh, the Goofs, the Goofs, the Golden Goofs, who are somehow the only undefeated team in the Big Ten West, are 28-point favorites at home. And the over-under is uh, a measly 47 points. Uh, and... I can't believe I'm 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 doing this, but I think Minnesota could win this game like thirty-eight to nothing, so that would be under. But I'm I, I'm gonna take Minnesota so minus twenty-eight against Mexico State. Yeah, I, I, I'm taking Minnesota minus twenty-eight. What on earth am I thinking, Josh? Uh, you're thinking not bold enough. Oh. Um, the Gophers, uh, the Gophers, put up thirty-eight nothing on New Mexico State. They eased off the gas because New Mexico State was coached by their old coach, Jerry Kill. They didn't want to embarrass them. They could have dropped 50-plus in that game if they wanted to. Then they obliterate Western Illinois 62-10. to uh, Colorado in their two games have easily cleared this over. Both of them blowouts, 38-13 to TCU, 41-10 to Air Force. Uh, this game's going to be like 49-10. to type thing. Minnesota is covering, and I'm going over because the Gophers are probably going to put up around 50 points alone. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Josh here. I'm, I'm going bold. I'm taking Minnesota and the over. Uh, and just a quick update on that, because I have it pulled up on the <laughs> line. It's actually now 27 and a half. Uh, and and the, the over-under has gone down a half point, so I'm, I'm even more in favor of Minnesota and the over. So it's now Minnesota minus 27 and a half over under 46 and a half. Correct. Oh, wow. Bro. These things change rapidly, apparently. I mean, in a couple hours, half a point. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, all right. Well, that's teased down. Yeah. Well, not teased down. Uh, Sharps mm. bringing in the money to bring it down. Sharps put yeah. that mm. means that means the Sharps are putting uh, money on Colorado, which scares me. Anyone who would decide to wager on Colorado, though, is a, a, a bit concerning in general. So um, I think that is going to do it for us here uh, today, unless I missed anything, Josh. Well, we haven't found our bearing the lead team just yet. No. Uh, we're still we're still trying to find out who we want. No, we, but we, we, we have a great we have a great opportunity for a, a bearing the lead team. Go we've, on. We've been loving we've been loving UTSA. Uh, talk, talk about yeah. Talk about a Joe Tessator Texas is back special, 
Everyone loves Texas. They almost beat Alabama. What happens prime time on the tens of eyes that watch the Longhorn Network? Meep, meep. If UTSA wins that, I think they might have grabbed pole position for bearing the lead team. All right. Well, I think that would uh, be a prime contender two years in a row. I think the last time that someone had was our bearing the lead team two years in a row was the Purple Pirates. Well, Arkansas held it for about four seasons. That's true. That's true. I, I, I guess I, the entire Chad Morris era, plus probably what the last year of the Brett Bielema era as well. Yeah. Well, Mitch, Mitch greatly appreciated that. We were the only podcast talking Arkansas football. Well, it's uh, it, it's what we're here for to uh, really, you know, well, fatten we up those hogs. Get a little <laughs> woo pig suey going on uh, while we're at it. So, but that is, in fact, uh, going to do it for us here. Uh, today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins, in Nashville, saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. SI, I'm Mr. September, and the swimsuit (laughs) issue. Yes, you are. Uh, that Josh is Mr. July, and I'm Mr. November. I don't know if you guys know. There you me. go. <laughs> no, oh, yes, no one wants to look at me that long. I'm Mr. February. <laughs> Only on, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> SI, you, you understand <laughs> the assignment, right? Yep. I hope so. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.